It really is an amazing story that God took on the form of man and came down to this wicked world that he might save our souls. We should never, never, ever, ever, ever lose the wonder of that, ever. Thank you, Brother Phil. Appreciate it. Ecclesiastes, chapter number seven this morning in your Bible, please. The book of Ecclesiastes, excuse me, in chapter number seven. It was rather a frigid morning. Heavy frost, but wasn't it beautiful? The, the beauty of God's creation. Nobody can do it like He can. And Ecclesiastes chapter number 7. Look at verse 11. And if you'll follow along with me, I'm going to do my best to read on down through the bottom of the chapter. Ecclesiastes chapter number 7 and verse number 11. The Bible says, Wisdom is good with an inheritance, and by it there is profit to them that see the sun. For wisdom is a defense, and money is a defense. But the excellency of knowledge is that wisdom giveth life to them that have it. Consider the work of God, for who can make that straight? which he hath made crooked. In the day of prosperity be joyful, but in the day of adversity consider. God also has set the one over against the other, to the end that man should find nothing after him. All things have I seen in the days of my vanity. There is a just man that perisheth in his righteousness, and there is a wicked man that prolongeth his life in wickedness. Be not righteous overmuch, neither make thyself overwise. Why shouldest thou destroy thyself? Be not overmuch wicked, neither be thou foolish. Why shouldest thou die before thy time? It is good that thou shouldest take hold of this, yea, also from his withdraw I'm sorry, yea, also from this withdraw not thine hand. For he that feareth God shall come forth of them all. Wisdom strengtheneth the wise more than ten mighty men which are in the city. For there is not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Also take no heed unto all words that are spoken, lest thou hear thy servant curse thee. For oftentimes also thine own heart knoweth that thou thyself likewise hast cursed others. All this have I proved by wisdom. I said, I will be wise, but it was far from me. That which is far off and exceeding deep, who can find it out? I applied mine heart to know and to search and to seek out wisdom and the reason of things and to know the wickedness of folly, even of foolishness and madness. And I find more bitter than death the woman whose heart is snares and nets, and her hands as bands, whoso pleaseth God shall escape from her, but the sinner shall be taken by her. Behold, this have I found, saith the preacher, counting one by one to find out the account. 
which yet my soul seeketh, but I find not. One man among a thousand have I found, but a woman among all those have I not found. Lo, this only have I found, that God hath made man upright, but they have sought out many inventions. If you'll leave your Bible open there, we're going to look at a few of these verses as we go back through this message. And I entitled it this, Knowledge is Important, but Wisdom is Importanter. I tried to find another word I like better, but I just like that word. Oh, I know it's not a good word. I know it's not Englishly English. It's not. I know it's not. I know it's bad. <laughs> but it's true. Knowledge is important, but wisdom is more important. And I think we can prove it by what the Bible says here. Let's pray. We'll get started. Father, help us. Lord, only you can. Only you can. For us to take for granted that you are God. You are God. And that you did send your only begotten Son to this earth to die for the sin of mankind. And Lord, that uh, you know how to run our life better than we know how to run our life. Lord, help us to understand even this morning how important it is to have your wisdom. We can have an exceeding abundant of knowledge, abundance of knowledge. But Lord, we need your wisdom. Guide and help us now. We need your power to preach. We just need your help. I pray that you'd give it in this place this morning. There may be some sitting in here that don't know Christ. You speak to them, please. Draw them to yourself. I know you're not willing that any would go to hell. I pray, Father, you'd deal with those that are lost this morning. We'll thank you for what you accomplished. For we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing. Please do be seated. Let me read a couple of verses to you. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse number 7, the Bible says, Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. And with all, your, with all thy getting, get understanding. And then James chapter 1 verse 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. We can have the wisdom that we need to make it through this life. And we should be seeking after it on a regular basis. It's important that we do. At the age of 72, Eddie Lovett was a dirt farmer. His father had been a sharecropper, a poor man who couldn't give his children much in the way of material goods. Excuse me. However, Bertram Lovett, Eddie's dad, did give Eddie one thing of immense value. He gave him a love for learning. And by the time that Eddie was four, he could read. And he went, when he began school at the age of six, he was far advanced above the other children in his class and in knowledge and in educational skills. 
Because he was black and he was living in the South before the days of desegregation, his educational opportunities were few. And Eddie was only allowed to go to school up through the eighth grade. And in spite of that injustice, Eddie never gave up on an education. And over his lifetime, Eddie accumulated a personal library exceeding 40,000 books. 40,000 books. And as he added books to his library, Eddie also sought to add wisdom to his life. And he succeeded. Among his peers, Eddie was known to be a wise man. And over the course of his lifetime, uh, the man who never completed middle school was offered several honorary degrees in recognition of the knowledge that he had acquired. Eddie and his wife had six children. And as they grew, he sought to instill in them, into them his love for learning and to impart to them a large measure of wisdom and knowledge that he had acquired along the way. He succeeded in doing so in five of his children. In five of them. And building upon the wisdom that they received, those five prospered in life. They did well. One did not. A son named Sophosiles. Sophosiles received the same educational advantages as his brothers and sisters had. And like them, in the beginning, he, ex he excelled in school. And unlike them, he gradually rejected his father's wisdom. And in 1975, he was arrested for writing bad checks, for which he spent 115 days in jail. And when he was released, uh, Sophosiles returned to Hermitage High, and shortly after his graduation in 1975, he was arrested again for attempted assault. Uh, and at that time, he narrowly missed a jail sentence. A year later, he stole two checks from his employer, and he served three years for that crime. Then in July of 1985, he was charged with kidnapping his girlfriend's son. When the boy was returned unharmed, the mother dropped the charges. But that was really a mistake on her part. Um, because in August of 1987, um, the young woman and Sophosiles left her home together and she was never heard from again. Twelve days after her disappearance, Sophosiles was arrested and charged with kidnapping. And for that crime, he was sentenced to six years in prison. But that, wasn't, that wouldn't be his last trip. After Sophosiles went to prison and shortly before his death, Eddie Lovett was asked what he thought accounted for this difference between the his other children, and that son. And Eddie's answer was as wise, really, as it was tragic. Sophosiles, in spite of all the knowledge he had gained and all 
opportunities he received, and he said, didn't have any wisdom. He didn't have any wisdom. It's good to have knowledge of things for sure. But wisdom is the proper application of knowledge. And so without the wisdom, it really doesn't matter how much we know about really this life or definitely the Bible unless we have the wisdom to properly apply it. Solomon could have had Sophocles love it in mind when he penned down this chapter in Ecclesiastes, truly. Like a fool, Sophocles had no regard for the value of his reputation. He failed to consider the serious issues of life and eternity. He lived for instant gratification and responded violently when he could not have what he wanted. He preferred the song of fools to the rebuke of the wise. And unlike the admonition in verse number 11, he received a great heritage, a great inheritance from his father. But he didn't profit from it because he had never acquired the wisdom to go with the heritage that he did receive. Where there's a lack of wisdom, much life is wasted. In this section that we read this morning, Solomon writes of the virtues of wisdom. And I can guarantee you, we, we, will, we, will, we can avoid much regret by taking heed to the insightful words concerning wisdom from the wisest man that ever lived. And we should. So he starts out talking about how that we should be wise in the use of of wealth. Verse number 11 again, wisdom is good with an inheritance and by it there is profit to them that see the sun for wisdom is a defense and money is a defense. But the excellency of knowledge is that wisdom giveth life to them that have it. So wisdom can increase, uh, wisdom can increase the value of wealth. It can increase the value of wealth. What are you talking about? Well, really, an inheritance, we know this, an inheritance has no value to the one that dies and leaves it to another. We know that. The value of an inheritance to the one that does receive it is determined by what he or she does with it. Okay. It can be used wisely, or it can be foolishly wasted. An inheritance can be badly invested and really be virtually lost overnight. An inheritance can be misspent on things that depreciate the moment that the purchase is completed. An inheritance can be wasted on riotous living, as is very well noted by the example of the prodigal son in the New Testament. The person who wisely handles the wealth that he gains will profit both himself and others uh, somewhere down the line. 
And the phrase here, see the sun, uh, by it there is profit to them that see the sun, represents the living as opposed to the one that's pushing up daisies and left the inheritance. And Solomon seems to be implying that the wise person will manage his inheritance in such a way as to benefit himself, but also to ensure that some of it remains to be passed on to the next generation. Now, there are only three things that you can do with money. Just three. You can spend it, or you can save it, or you can give it away. We need wisdom to help us to do all three, all three, in a manner that will ensure its greatest profit for all. But we need to remember to help us to do all three in a manner that will ensure um, its greatest profit for everyone. Most things that we purchase seem to lose their value over time. Wisdom never loses its value. It'll help us all the way through life. And it will help those that we leave behind all the way through their life if they will take it and use it. Wisdom can increase the security that's provided by wealth. It says there in verse number 12, for wisdom is a defense and money is a defense. So as a defense, money buys a measure of protection against life's difficulties. We know that, right? Zig Ziglar said this, money isn't everything, but it's right up there with oxygen as a necessity of life. We need it to survive in this this world, don't we? Sure. But wisdom is a superior as a defense because it secures life to them that have it. It secures life to them that have it. Wisdom does. And how we live and how we take things. Life is enriched when purchased with wisdom. Look, Solomon is not thinking of wisdom merely in the sense of good money management skills. Are y'all still with me here? No, no, no. He's not thinking in a sense of just good money management, management skills. He's thinking of wisdom in terms of that which can safeguard for us life's most valuable assets. Things like joy and peace and love and significance and family. It is possible, isn't it? It is possible, isn't it, to have financial security and yet have a miserable life? Absolutely so. At the age of 53, John D. Rockefeller was the world's First billionaire at the age of 53. His fortune increased $1 million a week. Amazing, truly, think about. However, Rockefeller was so consumed with protecting his wealth that he could eat nothing more than crackers and milk. They say that he couldn't sleep. He was suspicious of everyone. And by his own admission, he was one of the most miserable and least loved men alive. Making $1 million Away. Money is essential to getting those things that only money can buy. Listen to me, but without wisdom, we will never be able to hang on to life's treasures that money can never buy. 
Because there's a lot of things in this life that money can't buy. Yeah. So he tells us that we need to be wise in our understanding of adversity. Now tune in with me here. In our understanding of adversity. Look at verse 13. It says, Consider the work of God, for who can make that straight, which he hath made crooked. In the day of prosperity, be joyful. But in the day of adversity, consider. God also hath set the same one over against the other, to the end that man should find nothing after him. So Solomon says that both good times and hard times can come from God. The straight ways are the easy times in life. Those times are they're comfortable, they're uncomplicated, require little effort to go through. Uh, those are the times we just kind of push cruise control and enjoy the journey. The crooked ways are the hard times in life. All that we place under the heading of adversity, painful circumstances, difficult people, unexpected trials that might come, sickness, accidents. We're to consider, listen to me please, we're to consider that both the good times and the hard times are the work of God. Solomon is reminding us that it is wise to see God's hand in every circumstance of life. I'm going to say that again. He's reminding us that it is wise to see the hand of God in every circumstance in life. God is always working. If God made our way crooked, He is able to make it straight again. If God allows the difficult to come into our lives, we must believe He has a purpose for it even if we cannot understand what that purpose may be at the time. God is still God. He's still on His throne. He's still all-powerful. He can guide us through those times. So both adversity and prosperity can accomplish God's purposes. We should rejoice when God prospers us, absolutely. And we should seek to learn from the problems that God allows to enter into our lives. One reason God set the good times alongside adversity in our lives is to remind us that we must always face each day with faith in Him. Because it's all about Him. And when we keep it all about Him, we can learn. And we can rejoice as He brings us through different trials and troubles and tribulations in this life. Through no fault of our own, circumstances in life can change overnight. Isn't that right? And this reminds us that even the wisest man cannot control his future. I said again, the wisest man cannot control his future. And when hard times come, we are not to doubt God's wisdom or we're not to get mad at Him for what He allows to happen in our life. We're to trust Him through all of those circumstances and keep our eye on Him no matter what, what comes our way. We are to humbly accept all things as the will of God and determine to walk by faith through them all as we are doing our best, as we are doing our best, as we are doing our best to live for God. Don't miss that part. 
Solomon is not advocating fatalism, but faith. Faith in God. Trusting Him. He is reminding us we should obtain all the wisdom we can and then make the wisest choices possible. Our life is made up of a series of choices, isn't it? Day in and day out. However, our trust is not in our wisdom. Our trust is in God and the wisdom that He can give us. Trusting Him. So we need to be wise in our understanding of right and wrong. Solomon was frustrated. We can see it. Verse number 15. He said this, All things have I seen in the days of my vanity. There's a just man that perisheth in his righteousness, and there's a wicked man that prolongeth his life in his wickedness. You know, life is not only unfair, But it often feels unjust, doesn't it? Come on, when we see good people going through bad things, ones that are trying their hardest to live the way that God would have them to live, and it just seemed like problem after problem plagues them. Just seems unjust at times. There's a just person that's killed in a horrible car accident, and the drunk driver walks away from it. I don't understand. I, I don't get it. The, the wicked person, they live to a ripe old age and the missionary's wife dies of cancer, leaving behind a son and a daughter for her husband to raise by himself. I don't understand it. I don't get it. Life can be unjust. Life can be unfair. But Solomon also has a warning here. Because verse number 16 says this, Be not righteous over much, neither make thyself over wise. Why shouldst thou destroy thyself? Be not over much wicked, neither be thou foolish. Why shouldst thou die before thy time? So Solomon sounds a warning against two destructive, get this, two destructive attitudes that we can adopt toward right and wrong, toward righteousness and wickedness. And he gives a warning against pretense. Against pretense. Professing to have a better character and more wisdom regarding the matters of life than we actually possess. I don't know if I'm following you, preacher. Solomon is exposing the foolishness of adopting a holier-than-thou attitude as though we were better or wiser than others and that we should expect a charmed or a protected life as a result. 
I'm here to say this morning, we're not any better than anybody else. But he also gives a warning against pride. Against pride. Foolishly pursuing wickedness with no expectation of being punished. Well, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. Now, it's not like I've had any punishment yet. Yet being the key word. There is a law of sowing and reaping. We all will reap what we sow along the way. It's a law that no one can get away from. Truly. And the point that Solomon is making is that we can't... We, we, we can't always judge a person's character based upon how young they die or how old they may live to be. And prosperity is not always an indication of blessedness. And suffering is not always uh, an indication of punishment. So he gives us some counsel. Verse number 18 says, It is good that thou shouldest take hold of this. Yea, also from this withdraw not thine hand. For he that feareth God shall come forth of them all. He that feareth God. Not much fear of God in our country anymore. Not much fear of God in our churches anymore. The appropriate attitude towards right and wrong begins with a proper fear of God. That we're not to forget that God is holy. We're not to forget that God is just. And a proper fear of God will encourage us to lay hold of what is right. Come on, get this. A proper fear of God will encourage us to lay hold of what is right and to withdraw our feet from every wicked way. Okay, I was hoping for at least one amen right there. A proper fear of God. It will encourage us to lay hold of that which is right. And to withdraw our feet from every wicked way. How come, preacher? Because God is holy. And he does not bless wickedness. He doesn't bless wickedness. He's not going to bless wickedness. He's not going to bless it. He's not. It amazes me how many people think they're getting by with something. They're not getting by with anything. 
Well, preacher, I don't understand. I don't understand why this happens to good people and, and we see all these people out there living a life of wickedness and they've got all the money and fame and cars and all these different things and houses and all these things. I just don't understand it. I don't understand it either, but I trust God. Come on, and I'd rather hold on to this word than I would to try to go out there and figure out what they're doing just so I could have a little taste of that. Wisdom, the proper application of knowledge, the, the appropriate approach towards right and wrong begins with godly wisdom. The proper application of this knowledge, that we live in a way that's pleasing unto God. It is wisdom to remember that the greatest threats to our lives come from within, Amen. not from without. Where do you get that? Verse 19. Wisdom strengtheneth the wise more than ten mighty men which are in the city. So wisdom provides a whole lot more, please get this, wisdom provides a whole lot more security for our lives than ten mighty men. Over the course of our lives, vices and sin will account for more casualties in our nation than accidents or acts of war. And it's wisdom to remember that even the best of men are still subject to sin. Truly. No, no, verse 20. For there is not a just man among, uh, upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. We're all sinners. We're all sinners. And we're either sinners saved by the grace of God because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ that he shed all those years ago. Or we're a lost sinner on our way to a real place called hell. But we're all sinners. And he explains that it's not wise to place, get this, it's not wise to place too much stock in what others say about you. And it's not wise to have a overinflated opinion of yourself. It's not good. Verse 21. For there, uh, verse 21, also take no heed unto all words that are spoken, lest thou hear thy servant curse thee. For oftentimes also thine own heart knoweth that thou thyself likewise hast cursed others. And it's not wise to think you have life figured out either. I'll say it again. It's not, it's not wise to think you have life all figured out either. No, 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 no. Verse number 23. All this have I proved by wisdom. I said, I will be wise, but it was far from me. That, that which is far off and exceeding deep, who can find it? He, Solomon didn't have it figured out. But it's also not wise to put too much faith in people. I love my church. 
I love coming to church services. I don't want to ever allow someone to keep me from coming and worshiping the one I come to worship. There are too many people today sitting out of church, not talking just about Riverside Baptist Church, but there's too many people today sitting out of church this morning because of faith they put into some person somewhere along the way. And that person failed them. People will fail you. God will never fail you. And he's the one we come to church for. He's the one that we come to sing songs to. But Solomon points this out, verse number 24. Say with me, write it done. It says, that which is far off and exceeding deep, who can find it? I applied mine heart to know and to search and to seek out wisdom and, 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 and the reason of things and to know the wickedness of folly, even the foolishness uh, and, even the foolishness and madness. And I find more bitter than death the woman whose heart is snares and nets and her hands as bands, whoso pleaseth God shall escape from her, but the sinner shall be taken by her. Behold, this have I found, saith the preacher, counting one by one to find out the account, which yet my soul seeketh, but I find not. One man among a thousand have I found, but a woman among all those have I not found. One important truth that Solomon would have us to learn is that the unfairness and the injustice that we observe in this world cannot be blamed on God. There's a lot of people sitting out of church today because they're mad at God. These things can't be blamed on God. We can't blame these things on God. People are to blame. How come? Because people are sinners. And they make mistakes. And they do wicked things. See, God created man to be upright. Adam and Eve were created without sin. And God placed them in a perfect environment. But the world that we live in today has been corrupted. We don't live in a perfect environment. It's been corrupted. It's been corrupted by the presence of sin. within the hearts of man. Fallen men and fallen women have sought out many wicked inventions. And that's why there's so much unfairness and injustice in this world. And as long as sinful men continue to live in this world, injustice and unfairness will remain. 
The humanist said, our world is just getting better and better. Jesus said, it's going to wax worse and worse. I think he nailed it. I don't see our world getting better and better. No matter the technology. But here's the thing. And and again, I said, as long as sinful men continue to live in this world, there will be injustice and there will be unfairness. But the wise accept that and simply learn to trust God. We have to trust God. And if we're really trusting God, then we're going His way. Because we know any other way is contrary to what He would have us to go. It's important. Well, preacher, I know what the I know what I know what the Bible says about all life and all that stuff. But you know, I'm just living life. It's not a big deal. You know, I I know what it says. Well, then apply it. Now, use godly wisdom and apply it. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get with all thy getting, get wisdom. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Knowledge on how to live is important. That's why we come to Sunday school. That's why we come to church. Come on, that we can learn the knowledge of the Bible. Thus saith the Lord. What does God say about this? What does God say about that? What should we do here? What should we, what, what should we abstain from? How, we should, how should we live our life? How should we raise our children? How, what kind of home should we have? What kind of inter- entertainment should we take in? Uh, what, 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 we, what should we just stay miles away from? Come on, it's all right there in that book. The knowledge of it all is right there in that Bible. And there's people that have been raised in church all of their life. And they have the knowledge of that. No, they have that knowledge. They know that. They know what they should do, shouldn't do, where they should go, where they shouldn't go, who they should be around, who they shouldn't be around. They have the knowledge of that. Then what's the problem, preacher? No wisdom. No godly wisdom. Well, how come? They don't want it. How can you even say that? Because God says if you, if you want it, to ask Him and He'll give it. So very apparently they don't want it. I'm thankful we have such a loving, caring God that He not only gave us His book, His Word to live by, but He promised that He would give us the wisdom to live that life if we would ask Him. That's a great, gracious, generous, heavenly Father, isn't it? Yes, knowledge is important. But wisdom is importanter. Where are you lacking? 
Why not give God's way a try? I don't understand all the unfairness and injustice of the world. I can't even begin to say that I do. I don't understand it. But I know this for a fact, and I'm done. I know this for a fact. I can trust God's way. He's proven it to me over and again. I can trust His way. I just have to decide to do it. I have to decide to do that. Would you bow your heads with me? Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed for just a moment. No one looking around. Thank you for your attention this morning. It's much appreciated. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed in respect of the Lord. For just a moment. Maybe you're here this morning and say, Preacher, I'm not even sure I'm saved. I'm not even sure I know God. I'm not sure I've ever trusted Christ as my personal Savior. I just don't have that settled in my heart. I'm not sure about that. Would you please just remember me in prayer? Boy, I'd like to pray for you if you're here like that this morning. Would you slip up your hand wherever you're at and allow me to do so? I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to point you out. I wouldn't embarrass you no way, shape, or form, but I sure want to pray for you right there. God bless your honesty. And there, God bless you there and there. Thank you so much, sir. Right there. Thank you very much for that. You didn't raise your hand before. You want to raise it now right there. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you so much for that. Appreciate that very much. Others, before we move on, preacher, that's me. I'm not, I'm not sure that I have it all settled. I'm not sure that I've ever truly trusted Christ as my personal Savior. I'm just not sure. When you pray for these others, please, please remember to pray for me. You didn't raise your hand before, but you want to raise it now. Let me pray for you. I, I can't get saved for you. I'm not going to try to force anything on you, but I'd like to pray for you. God will save you. God will save you. If you'll come to Jesus, He will save you. Anyone else? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Nobody's looking around. Say, preacher, I tell you, I need some wisdom. And I know I do. I need some wisdom about how I'm going to handle things in this life. And I know I do. God spoke to my heart about that this morning. Preacher, would you please just pray with me that I'll seek God's way in my life, every part of my life. Would you let me pray with you like that? Slip your hand up, hold it up high for just a minute. God bless your heart. God bless your, God bless your honesty. Thank you so much for that there over here. God bless you. Thank you for that over here. Thank you. Thank you so much for your honesty. I appreciate that. You may put your hands down. Others, you didn't raise your hand, but you knew you needed to about that. Would you let me pray for you? Anybody else before we move on? I want to move on quickly here. Right there. God bless you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else before we go? Anyone? Right there. Thank you. Let's all stand to our feet. Our head, we're going to stand, with our, stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Father, thank you for the Bible. Thank you, Lord, for your, your, thank you for your wisdom. Your knowledge and your wisdom. Thank you. Lord, help us to be wise about that. You saw the different hands around the auditorium. Folks aren't sure they've ever trusted Christ as their Savior. Maybe they know for sure they've never done that. But that's their greatest need. I know it is. And so I pray for them. I lift them up to you. I pray your Holy Ghost would draw them to yourself. I pray, Father, that they might even come this morning. There's an opportunity for them to come and allow us to take a Bible and show them how they can have that all settled.
You've never turned one away. I know that if they'll come, that you'll save them. I know that's true. Lord, we can't force them. Not going to try to. Has to be their choice. I pray they'd come this morning and allow us to show them out of the Bible how they can get that settled. Lord, continue to work in their hearts and lives. Lord, help them today to make that decision to trust Christ as their personal Savior. And then there were hands all over the auditorium, and I don't know where people are at in their lives. I don't know what wisdom they may need, what guidance they may need, but I know that you are the giver of guidance and the giver of knowledge and the giver of wisdom. And I pray folks would take a moment today and turn aside and bow a knee to you and ask you for that wisdom. Repent of some things in their life. Lord, that they would uh, trust that you, your way is the best way. And they'd be ready and willing to follow you no matter where you lead in their lives. Father, bless this time of invitation. Save those that are lost. Help us that are saved. We pray you will. We trust you for these things. In the precious name of Jesus Christ. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Some are already praying. You need to come this morning. Why don't you come?